0: Hello, everyone. I'm Billy the Problem Phillips. And welcome to our first episode of the Unnamed Chess Podcast. I'm here with my co host, Ignatius J. Riley.
1: And we're here with our special guest, Elliot Benoit. The Problem, the Texas Pitmaster, King of the Post Oak, Brisket, the Holy Trinity, Brisket, Sausage, and Beef Ribs from Austin, Texas. You know who it is. That's a cowboy right there. Welcome.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. We have no <laughs> We have no idea what the heck we're doing. But we have some questions for our lovely guest today. Our lovely guest Elliot, who is our VP.
2: And what does our that stand for? Vice President. Okay. <laughs>
0: Just for the listeners at home. <laughs> That's correct. They didn't even know that. And then our lovely secretary, Charles. Yeah they're both leaving soon because they hate the chess club and they don't want to be here any longer and it's not because they're graduating joseph so i heard you have a job lined up back in texas what's that going to be like
1: well it just so happened um jamie from joe rogan is leaving and let's just say i'm I'm bullish in the pit when it comes to (laughs) cooking up some brisket and uh caught wind of it joe rogan and um found out that I know how to use Audacity. <laughs> so let's just say, uh, yeah, I got a pretty good gig uh, lined out in Texas, yeah. Speaking of the pit, I heard
0: you're pretty good at jujitsu. Uh, I don't know where you heard that from.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the jiu-jitsu club. Uh, oh, you heard that from them? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm not. I'm what they call a white belt, which means I'm not very good, so... Uh, I didn't. Know, like I said, I don't know where you heard that from.
0: Well, I think you're pretty good. You know who else is you pretty good? You passed my guard
1: on day one, by the way. I'm not very good.
0: I was a pretty good wrestler. And Elliot, I heard you're pretty good at something, too. It starts with kick and it ends with boxing.
1: True. <laughs> <laughs> have you won a tournament?
0: Yeah, have you won a tournament, Elliot?
2: No, I've only ever done one tournament, won one fight in that tournament, and lost the other one, which disqualified me.
0: Well, that just goes to show that our club members are multi talented because these two gentlemen are also wonderful at chess.
1: Wait, I'm like a 1500 rapid. I would say, like, I'm like a Gotham subscriber.
0: I don't know. You're undefeated in competitive tournaments this year. Isn't that true, Charles?
1: That is true. I didn't even know that.
0: Exactly, exactly. And Elliot, you sound pretty good too.
2: Thank you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Anyways, we have some questions lined up Some of them more controversial than others The first question is for Charles
1: Charles, how long have you been in chess club? Um, well, it started in the cold winter of 1956 in Terlingua, Texas 56? Yeah Wow And I was slaving away in the mine town. Trying to make an honest living for me and my family for when I return home. And uh, all there really is to do out there in Terlingua is eat chili. We're, they're known for having a chili-making chili, um, chili um, making contest. Right, right. Um, Texas chili. You don't put tomatoes in it. Over here, you guys probably put tomatoes. I just wanted to clear the air on that for the viewers at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> put tomatoes in nothing, partner. Facts. That, that's lingo. <clears throat> Anyways. <laughs> um, nothing much to do over there. I walk into the saloon. And I speak to this bartender, and I said, what there is there to do in uh, this old trilling? Room? I've been here a few weeks in, the, in this mine, and uh, by golly, I'm work to the bone, mister. And he said, well, uh, we play chess. So uh, yeah, I started, I uh, taught, taught me the ropes. Some handsome golden retriever-looking fellow named uh, Zachary taught me uh, taught me some stuff. And he introduced me to his boyfriend, Hunter. Um, back in that day, it was quite not that there's anything wrong with that. Back in the day, it was quite controversial. So looking back on it, I never the gusto or this Zach fellow. Um, but yeah, so that's when I, that's when I really started.
0: Well, that was a that was a great response, Charles. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So you've been going at it for you know seventy uh, something odd years. About
1: yeah, that's about right. That right?
0: Yeah. How old did that make you? Uh,
1: twenty three.
0: 23 Yeah Amazing And you're graduating college You got a job lined up Austin, Texas Yep Joe Rogan Podcast
1: Just find me our first guest I'll I'll drop it live on our first guest (laughs) Baby Yoda
0: (laughs) Ella,
2: you got a job lined up? No
0: Why not? Do you think you're not good enough? Um, well, no he has spent so much time working for the chess club that he has not had time to job search. That just goes to show how committed he is to the crap. True. What have you done for this club? Plenty. Such as?
2: <laughs> Answer the question. I help Bo make decisions, and I make the. I actually made the Discord. Hold on. That I made true. the whole Discord, bro. And
0: wouldn't you say that Discord is currently in shambles?
2: That is also true, but I did not maintain that. I un, I only created the Discord. I did not maintain it.
0: So your laissez-faire approach is what led to the Discord's current disreputable state.
2: <laughs> Correct.
0: So what makes you think you're qualified for a job in tech?
2: Well, it'd be more of a job in programming, which uh, has nothing to do with Discord server management. So oh, you got told, so, Joseph. I think I'll be. to interject here.
1: Um, a lot of the point. A lot of the ins and outs of software engineering is not so much about skill. <laughs> Let's put that right on the table right here. It's about communication. And as someone who's—I uh, don't mean to brag or anything—intern <coughs> at a Fortune 100 company, um, having a laissez-faire approach with your coworkers, friends, family, loved ones, love interests. Sometimes it doesn't work out the best. So if you were to just, you know, say you land a job at. Um, Google. That sounds pretty damn good. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, damn is in the Bible. Um, say you land a job there. Now, if you were to go to your manager and say, you know what, manager? Um, uh, this little program, this little doohickey, 100 lines of code I wrote, I made that. So let me just put that on the table, Mr. Manager. I made this program that we're using right here. Um, so I'm not going to really do anything else. And let's say that program, this little piece of software that you wrote, becomes... Uh, pretty, uh, it, it needs some maintenance. Well, the only person who can maintain this little doohickey is you, Elliot, who created this little doohickey. aforementioned doohickey. And then, uh, sounds like, uh, a little path to being fired, methinks. And as they say, uh, scriptures tell us, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Isn't that right, Mr. Riley? I would agree so. Uh, Once again, excellent. <laughs> Excellent
0: question uh, by our wonderful guest. It was more of a comment, oh, really. True, true, true. A wonderful interjection by our guest, Charles E. Cheeseburger. <laughs> That's not his name, though. Or should <laughs> I call you Billy? Billy. I prefer Billy. Well, I have a question for you, Mr. Elliot. It's a pretty important question. Okay. How many hats do you own? Four. Do you wash your hats? Yes. How many TF two hats do you own?
2: Zero. That
0: reflects poorly in your character, might I add. Rats. Why do you lie about the, about the amount of hats that you own?
1: No, wait, I'm not lying. I can't wait for our, the viewers at home to hear this sliding on the wood surface. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, true. Could <laughs> you just like leave the say <laughs> leave
2: the mic here? I don't know why you keep
1: dragging, like leaning like I'm doing.
0: Oh, you dragged it first, so I dragged it back because I felt like my... Well, two do wrongs
1: don't make a right. I guess you weren't raised right. I'm Actually, actually right.
0: asking about being raised, Bo, Charles... We we I'll it. never answer that <laughs> question.
2: Bo, just moved it and again. you moved it again. See, you're doing Elliot, it without... You're without it. Elliot, you're moving it again. I'm putting it in between us so
1: I can... I t- okay. take an exact decision. Keep, Keep it here. This club is not last two more Charles,
0: classes. tell me your origin story. Before before chess club.
1: Before chess club.
0: Before 1956. What led you to, to lingo
1: Oh, uh, well, the smell of chili, perhaps. Terlingua, Texas, known for not only its old coal mines, but chili festival. By golly, there isn't nothing more that warms a, like how over here, well, I know you wouldn't know much about this, Beau, but perhaps Elliot, it's Billy. maybe uh, uh, our co- co-host Jamie and um, Joseph over here uh, <laughs> might know about this. It's called gumbo. Now, in, in the cold winter, Uh, A nice bowl of gumbo warms the soul. In in fact, some say it's what keeps this great state of Louisiana going, much like gasoline and cars. Uh, Over in Texas, we have chili. Without tomatoes, might I add. (laughs) Can't stress it enough. Now, I was mighty hungry in the cold winter of 1935, the year my grandmother was born. And I wanted some chili, by golly. And where better to get this chili than Terlingua, Texas? And, and might I add, Terlingua, Texas is right by Big Bend National Park, which is about maybe one, two hours away from the great city of El Paso. Um, Spanish for the pass, for the gringos at home. Uh, yeah, that's what led me to Terlingua, Texas. Any other questions, gentlemen?
0: What a wonderful answer, once again.
2: Elliot? Yes? What is your origin story? What are your humble beginnings? I was actually discussing this the other day. I don't remember how I joined this club. Really? I actually do not. I just, I mean, to be fair, that's how I remember it. You just kind of
0: appeared one day in the library. Did and, you? Uh, True, but I, I feel fans? like
2: there's no way I would have seen a flyer. I know for a fact, before I joined the club, I went to the Acadian Chess Club. Shout out to the no longer active Acadian Chess <laughs> club. They are dead? Uh, Yeah, I went there with a buddy of mine. He was really the only person I knew who played chess at the time. We'd started playing chess in high school just for fun. What was the fun. name? Dawson, he lives in in Utah. Yeah, we went to an Acadian Chess Club meeting, Um, it was a bunch of children, we schooled them all, and then never showed up again, because he went back to Utah. But then I was looking for... must have been Mormon.
0: No. Speaking of reflecting, let's reflect on the past a little bit. Charles, do you know
1: how this club started? Well, my memory's a little hazy on this one. Right, right. It was was 1956. It, excuse me? It was 1956. Ah, exi- oh, yes. Okay, it's coming back to me now. It was a long time ago. I believe it started in the Trilingua Saloon, wherein, um, like I was talking about earlier, things get a little desperate mm-hmm. in the saloon. The, the reaches of man come together, the extremities perhaps, come together in the direst of situations. And while we were playing chess, since we were coming and drinking and Meeting and having a good amount of fun with each other and, mm-hmm. uh, every day playing chess and some other things, which are outside the scope of this interview. But, right. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> just so decided that perhaps uh, we could just start an official Turlinguo chess club. I hope that answers the question.
0: It does. It does. Um, however, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to bring out the buzzer on you. That was wrong.
1: Well, I didn't know this was a game show, Mister.
0: It is a game show. You <coughs> did rather oh. mislead him. I did. I did. You know, that's what chess is all about. Misleading misleading your opponent. Mr. Joseph Randy Schneider. Do you know how the club started? That is not my name. Please restate the question properly. Joseph Rogan is Chet Schneider. Close enough.
2: (laughs) This club started
0: with a young man named Hayden, I believe is his name. Trahone. That may, in fact, be his last name. You
1: can hear that Shreveport accent coming out strong in that pronunciation.
0: Oh, we. I believe he noticed there was an absence at this school, an uh, absence of a chess club. Maybe there may be some in the past that may have fallen apart to similar vices that we see today.
1: Vices of lust, might I add, as the scriptures tell us.
0: Indeed, partner. And then I believe he put together a flyer. Mm-hmm. The flyer, the flyer. The original flyer, not anything you may have seen on campus in the past years. Pure white and black, just white text black. on a piece of paper. I believe it had a
2: pawn or a king on it somehow. Actually, I believe there's still one in Oliver right now. And actually, one of our most recent members
0: came because of that flyer. Exactly. Anyways, just continue. Then they got together, and then I believe in the Dupree Library, second floor, we got at a table during a meeting time he agreed upon, started playing chess, then we had some tournaments. And then I believe we got a professor by the name of Dr. Zito to make it an official club. Then I believe the rest is history. Yep, yep. Elliot? Yes. Do you remember how the chess club started?
2: What is your take on the situation? Well, from what I've heard, it was Hayden and Brandon, Mm -hmm. Senator Brandon. Not the one in the White House. Started the chess club. Um... As two separate organizations, and then combined together when they discovered each other. And then, Bo somehow got involved, and that's when the club started making moves to become official. And then I came during that time, and then I helped make it official as well.
0: That is correct. Might I add a question for our host? What are some of your fondest memories of these days in Chess Club? The very beginnings? The beginning times. Yeah. The beginning times. The genesis of Chess Club. I I, I liked I liked how um, liked how small it was usually like six to eight people. I mean I enjoy being larger now way more than it was when it was small. But it was kind of it was kind of nice whenever it was smaller because we could run multiple tournaments in one sitting and we had like tournaments every single day. That was fun. Uh, we could also go anywhere we wanted because we wouldn't be too loud. That was also convenient. Yeah. it was it was it was simpler times I, I enjoy chess club more now though with all the different faces and everything we have I remember one day me and Hayden were playing Hayden the founder of the chess club me and him were sat down in the library one day rest in peace it was it was 10 pm and uh, everybody had already left and he had, hadn't got a win on me that day so we played games and then we played more games and then we played more games and we ended up playing 20 games. Until he won on the 20th game, and it was 1 a.m., and then we left, and that was fun. Well, let's go on to another topic. Elliot. Yes. What is your favorite
2: opening? My favorite opening has to be the Roy Lopez. The Roy Lopez. Now, what the heck is that for our viewers at home? Well, the Roy Lopez starts off very simply with one e 4 your opponent has to play e5 upon which you play that is true they have to do that well they they don't have to <laughs> but in order for it to be the roy lopez they have to <laughs> um then you play knight c or i lied knight <laughs> f on the podcast this is a sacred podcast i would never lie knight f3 and then after knight f3 what does your opponent do The opponent would play knight c6, upon which you bring your bishop to b5. Bishop b5. Bishop to b5? That is the Roy Lopez. Why would you do that? Well, it's to potentially pin the knight Mm -hmm. upon the d pawns moving. That is true, that is true.
1: Although theoretically, if you were to take this knight and you think you could win this e5 pawn, Modern theory states that this is simply not the case, and um, it's really just a goofy opening. Uh, because then you'll just simply ta- uh, capture back with the queen pawn, uh, yes, like that, yes, sir. <laughs> and then if you think you could just so greedily take this e5 pawn with your knight, the queen will swoop on down. Uh, yes, sir. Y- no, y- you were wrong. Yeah, there we go. Right to d4. And boom, goes And there line. is a fork between that pawn that e4 pawn and the knight on e5 that you so greedily took, and it's a fork, and your queen's gonna get, or sorry, your king will be placed in check because you can't defend that. Uh, can't de- well, I I guess you could defend that pawn, but then you would lose the knight. So, uh, Roy Lopez, the Spanish priest who this opening is coined after, um, clearly was a buffoon, and even moving the bishop there to begin with, um, as a enjoyer of spaghetti, the Italian opening is clearly just not superior. So, what was
0: your second favorite opening? Since this opening is rather goofy. Well, well, let me let me take it a step back, real quick, because that was some slander against the Roy Lopez. The Roy Lopez. You play d four, bro. I do, but the Roy Lopez was created in the fifteen hundreds. It is the oldest opening ever recorded in a book. It is one of the most theoretical openings known to man, and our wonderful vice president. Elliot Benoit has decided that that would be his opening choice, and he has spent many, many decades studying the matter. Isn't that true, Elliot? Yes. Charlie, what is your favorite opening? Even though you already gave us a hint, what is your favorite opening
1: <sighs> well, as white? um, white? ironically, uh, I don't have much preference for, for when I'm playing white. I'm a pretty flexible player, although I'm a very inflexible human being. I can't do the splits. Uh, With this being said, um, uh, sorry, there appears to be some distraction on my host here. I apologize. I was invited up here Walked walk to Mount Griffin. Sorry, uh, what was the question again? It
2: was what
0: your favorite opening was. Now, you said as white, you actually don't care because you're a flexible chess player, but not a flexible human being. That's
1: correct. How about
0: as black in response to E- the most common opening white can play.
1: Yes, I actually enjoy playing the French defense. Now, many might just stop, like, they'll, they'll click the pause button on this podcast, click off, say, this guy must be insane. And although I'm not diagnosed with any um, mental um, shortcomings, dysfunctions um, as of now, uh, I do really enjoy the French defense, because although they might see it as dry, mm-hmm. boring... Which um, it is. Like a baguette left out too long. Well, you know, down here in Louisiana, we keep our bread long, <laughs> like sticks. <laughs> and in fact, once that does get dry, you can make a mighty fine bread pudding. That is that is uh, that is unfathomably true. Now, anyways, the French defense. I enjoy playing this because um, it's very positional, um, and although I I, I kind of die inside when they play the exchange variation, but when it gets into this this uh, advanced variation position. A little fire starts kindling in my soul, lots of ideas. For the How listeners often, at home,
0: what is the advanced variation that you speak? That is true. We might need to explain that So. Um, and the exchange.
1: So it typically goes E4, and instead of E5, they have to, the French defense starts with E6. Controversial. Controversial, indeed. Um, and then the the follow-up is D4, taking control of the center, in which they uh, Black plays D5. Feisty. The advanced variation. Happens when White pushes their kingside pawn up to e six
0: because they advanced the pawn.
1: Yes, and then uh, the common re- there, there could be some other replies, uh, but the most common and uh, theory says the the best response to the advanced variation is to immediately counter strike with your c pawn to play c five, attacking and destabilizing this d four pawn. And then uh, many fun things spring out from here. But if they play the exchange uh, the exchange variation, where instead of advancing their e uh, their e pawn to e six they take this uh, uh, D5 pawn. And um, yeah, this is really the worst part of the opening. (laughs) Um, But I'd rather play that than play the Sicilian.
0: That is true. We are Sicilian haters in this club. Nobody in our club plays Sicilian.
2: I'm going to learn it one day.
0: When you do as an alumni, you can come back and teach us all. True. I'll come
2: back as an alumni and play the Sicilian. Everyone will be so shocked. Wait, actually, I won't,
1: because everyone plays D4 anyways. No. Allow me to interject here. I've actually had a lot of fun online recently with the four knights. Now, I'm not about to go into the Halloween gamut in which you sacrifice your kingside knight.
0: That is a favorite by one of our key members, Hunter Cole.
1: Yeah, Hunter Colman. Um, however, um, online recently, when it comes to the four knights position, because uh, people kind of uh, reach it out of uh, spite, because when I just like bring my two knights out, instead of like moving a pawn um, or anything like that, moving a bishop, uh, it, it, they actually end up make, making some dumb moves, and uh, they just go poli- positionally wrong very quickly. So I've actually been kind of enjoying the four knights. Um, now people might say, this sounds like a guy, the French defense of the four knights, this sounds like a guy who just loves putting on a suit and tie and going to work every day. Respectable and, man. as uh, a respectable man, but very dry. You go home to uh, your suburban house, and your little... Uh, Timmy. All pumped up on Ritalin. Your <laughs> 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 your children on um, anti-psychotics, or, or perhaps some psychotics, and things like this. You're Dying white over a nice Costco rotisserie chicken, <laughs> and you and going home to your loveless marriage, like many many families do in America today. But I'm not going into uh, geopolitical and sociopolitical matters here. Although
0: that is you, true, we try to avoid that. If
1: you do uh, give me any more questions, I could talk about the semiotic theory of Charles Sanders' purse. Perhaps the greatest American Joseph,
0: pawn. what is your favorite opening? I believe it starts with a oh boy. quite favorable move. Now you bust ge- out your king's pawn, up two. They will respond in turn, hopefully, if they are a good chess of sane player. mind. Then you bring out your queen to H5. The queen to H5? Could you please explain that one? It's a very complex opening. Because they may think just to kick down the pawn, take out your queen with a simple pawn move threatening your queen. But then you can simply take their e5 pawn with your queen, it comes which with leads check. to a mighty little fork, which wins you a rook. However, since it was called a scholar's mate, many so-called advanced players may see that through this and try to bust out their knight to c6. It's true, it It defends the pawn. It does defend the pawn. Then you bring out your bishop, your white square bishop, to c4. And then that threatens mate. However, they may think, still, oh, I'll just simply bring out my knight to attack the queen. It does hit the queen, and it defends the pawn, or the pawns defend it. And attacks your pawn. However, then you simply take with your queen on f7 and win the game. However, many people say, oh, I wouldn't fall for that, in a rather stupid voice, I may add and use their pawn to block mate and still threaten the queen in which you can bring out your queen bring back your queen and persist threatening mate, which they will have to block with their knight and then simply you move your knight to E2, letting you castle before them without a blown open defense. and they will probably in turn move their bishop and then you castle, they castle and in turn this is an overall very winning position, has many more pieces active. And my I add, has your queen up to play, which many may disagree with, but I think having the most powerful piece out early is a very strong opening. Wow. A fantastic explanation of the wayward queen. So what would your favorite opening be, Mr. Billy? Allow me to interject for a
1: second. I've taken a look at this position many times. Um, I've been quite bored, um, especially during COVID, uh, the quarantine. Um, the
0: bad years. The pandemic.
1: Uh, Jamie, can you can <laughs> get that one out? out Jamie, right? you pull COVID death statistics. <laughs> Jamie, can you get that one out? Anyways, <laughs> there actually is a fascinating line starting with the a pawn a four, in which and this is this has been reviewed by Stockfish, reviewed by uh, Ligma, a an, new bot um, that just won just won the. Uh, <laughs> why is everyone laughing? Anyways, pawn a four. Um, coined the Floppa attack. No, now, <laughs> you, can go, you can go on Lee Chess right now. You will see the Floppa attack pawn the H5 in this position. It's actually plus 3, believe it or not, on... Um, plus 3? Yes, plus, plus 3 in, in or actually. Can you explain what
0: plus 3 means to our viewers at home? No. <laughs> There's these things in chess called points. Now, they don't actually exist, but certain pieces have certain values. There's the pawns, the knights, the bishops, the queens, the kings, and then the rooks. And they all have different values. The pawns are the most worthless. They're worth 1. The knights and bishops are 3. The, the rook is 5 and the queen is 9 and the king has no value because it's a trash piece. Whenever jo- or Charlie, my bad, whenever Charlie says plus three, he is referring to the fact that white is about three pawns better or a knight better or a bishop better in the position than black because white is given positive values and black is given negative values. So negative three would mean the same thing in the opposite direction. Please continue with your explanation.
1: And for our viewers at home, welcome back. You can continue listening from here. Uh, Back to the parts you actually want to hear. Sorry about that for our short interjection. Actually,
0: I have to interject again. We have to... uh, Call out
1: our sponsors. We are sponsored by Manscaped. <laughs> Best that is one. not true. Men, you have a, you, you have a front yard. <laughs> you have a front yard overgrown. Well, boy, do we have the solution for you,
0: Manscaped.
1: We have two more. Uh, sorry, sorry. For the, We have to get through two more sponsors here. Um, Dr. Squatch. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't bathe with such nonsense. Use Doctor Squatch, un- or else you're um you're a beta male or something like that. Um, also, final that sponsor, uh, Dude Wipes. Don't <laughs> go to the grocery store and buy those feminine. Um, okay, products. Joseph, Joseph. What about our other sponsor? Would you like to introduce our other sponsor?
0: Oh yes, our other sponsor would in fact be Black <laughs> Rifle Coffee. Fuel your game right with Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, our other sponsor? G Fuel. Okay. Gamers. <laughs> Gamers. Uh, <stuff>. Gamer <laughs> <laughs> chess.com. We're sponsored by Chess.com, everybody. Give it up for Chess.com. Most importantly,
1: Bang Energy. And Wipers123. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie, please continue. Our final sponsor, Cole Steak and Shake. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Don't forget, Lafayette Lanes, Rest of Oh, wait, East, wait, wait,
1: Longtime wait. supporter of the club. Wait, wait, wait. Cole.
0: Is Wait, that I'm no, Hunter
1: Cole? Yeah, yeah, Hunter Cole. That's, that, is that correct, Bo? Hmm. Cole's Steak and chick, that's uh, Hunter Cole's family. Correct. Business.
0: Well, Elliot. Yes. What is your favorite chess piece? I would have to go with the knight. The knight,
2: the knight. Interesting, it's only three points of value. Could you explain that one? Well, I like the knight because of how tricky it can be at times. It's a real trickster, he thinks. I would, I would be inclined to agree. I think um, its ability to fork pieces and uh, move around so trickly is very uh, fun. Yeah, it makes for a good that piece.
1: <laughs>
0: that is true. The knights are very, very
1: tricky. Oh my gosh, you're in luck, buddy. That's a word. <laughs> That's a word, trickly.
2: Trickly. For the viewers at home,
1: no, talking is... Reagan's me. economics.
0: Reaganomics. Speaking of Reaganomics, Charlie. Oh,
1: for the viewers at home, they might not know what Reaganomics means. So Reagan's economics is a—it's easier to connect the words. In Charles Sanders' semiotic theory, it is a—it is a better connection of semiosis, which is the triadic theory of signs.
0: Can you use the triadic theory to explain your favorite chess piece?
1: Well, can I use it? It's our—it's the fun—it's the foundation for understanding as we know it. Semiosis, as uh, Peirce coined it. Uh, sorry. What was the question? What you your, your favorite chess piece? <laughs> What's your favorite chess piece? Hmm. <laughs> I would have to say, and this is a controversial answer, the king.
0: The, the king.
1: Yes, that is correct, Mister Phillips.
0: The king that is so atrociously bad that it has no point value. However, many attribute the fact that it has no point value to the fact that it's actually worth infinite points. Since without it, you will lose the game surely. It's priceless.
1: Well, there's a cricket's
0: cooking. Well, a rotten banana pill is priceless. That is not the term priceless we're using in this context. And I think it is rather disingenuous of you to try to use it in such a flagrantly wrong matter. Then what's your favorite chess piece? I would have to go with the counterpart to the king, the queen, since it is the titular part of my favorite opening. The king and the queen.
1: And I will say, uh, he, he raises a good point, because I've been binging Nicki Minaj and Megan The Stallion. Wonderful artist. Speaking of the king and the queen, they're a fantastic duo,
0: aren't they? Wouldn't you agree, Charles? Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> I would contend that they're more of an adversarial partner, since usually in the late game, when someone is winning, they'll use their queen to harass and eventually capture or threaten to capture... The king. True. And just like the king and the queen, I feel like that is analogous to Charles and Joseph Scheschneider. You two are the ultimate duo. Could you please tell us the story of how you two met? Well, it all started one day in front of the swamp on our mighty fine campus. It was a rather cold day, so I had to layer up with a hoodie and a t-shirt. This was, I believe, in September. October. October 30th of 2021. That is actually...
1: Uh, it was, in fact, because... No, October... It was it was a little before um, a certain mixtape got released. I believe it was the day before. Perhaps. No, no it was so that day, and oh. it was going
0: to release that night. Perhaps. When it, the clock turned midnight. Perhaps. So then, I was taking off my hoodie to go waltz on back to Bonet Hall, where I was staying at the time. And then he saw my shirt of a certain artist, underground artist at the time, of the name of Cemetery. Then, we more so started talking, and I believe Last of Him was brought up. And then I showed him a, a certain chart of mine that had, I believe, mostly glue and ice to enter and red light, and then he noted, oh, I didn't know you listened to that kind of music, implying a reference to Swedish cloud rap. And then, it's all history from there. Wonderful. A wonderful love story. Elliot, Charlie, you two are leaving a legacy. You have been here since the beginning of the club, and you're about to leave it in the middle of its golden age. Do you have any words to leave
2: with the people of chess club? I would like to interject. It's more of
0: a dark age at this
2: time. That is a subjective opinion. Elliot? With my absence, I do believe the chess is entering its dark age. But... In all seriousness, what was the question? <laughs> do you have any parting words for our, our,
0: your chess club that you're leaving behind? Any advice to those who you leave in the
2: dust? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, try to play chess and have fun. Bye. Do you think there's anything you didn't do well enough that you think the next vice president could do better? I'm not lazy towards the chess club. Um, I helped make decisions for a lot of the LCCL events and uh, presidential discussions. I also hosted all of our freshman orientations over the summer, which helped recruit many new members to our club.
0: Members such as who?
2: Most of them. Most of the new members. I would like names. Well, and Our co-host, Emma, for one. Who? Our Emma. technician, our Te- Jamie. Our technician, Jamie. And many more. Our current
0: uh, 2B vice president. Samuel Abshire? Yes. We have already gone through our elections and we have the new two B's for VP and secretary lined up. The VP is Samuel Abshire. And then our uh, secretary is uh, Tanner. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, stress starts with a B. Bourgeois. 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 Elliot,
2: do you have any words of wisdom for Samuel Abshire? You know what, Sam? All you gotta do to be a good vice president is Make good decisions. Make good decisions and you will be good. You talk like a politician. Well. <laughs> a bad one. <laughs> I'm the worst at this, so. Charlie, do
0: you have any words Sam. of wisdom for
2: Tanner?
1: Uh, Tanner, I took a look at your Spotify and I'm unimpressed, buddy. You need to stop listening to Suicide Boys. You're not even from New Orleans. You're from
0: Marrero. Charlie, that's interesting. From what I know, he's a song creator. Oh, wow. Yeah. A rather arrogant one. Charlie, how did you learn how to play chess?
1: Oh, well, it started when I lost all my friends in high school. Lost? Yes. How they did stopped... come across? Oh, well, as you see, I'm from a place um, that's kind of like California, but it's in Texas. Austin? Yes. And um, a lot of these people I went to high school with partook in the act of smoking um, an illegal um, often. Uh, me, as a legal substance often. Me has always been a little bit of a contrarian, um, a big personality flaw of mine. But it saved me in this instance where I didn't really feel like uh, joining them and doing this illegal act um, because it's illegal. Good for you. And uh, they didn't want to hang out with me anymore because they would get together as a means of just doing this act. It -hmm. was an excuse to hang out with each other and especially hang out with girls. Because the old uh, way to pick up women over there is to say, hey, would you like to smoke?
0: Is that a Texas thing?
1: Mm, No, it's a bit of i I'm going to be a burnout in about three years thing. But anyways, Mm. um, I lost all my friends and started eating lunch in the library because I just had no one to sit with. Now I know the viewers at home might be um, a little sad for me, but then they realize who I am and (laughs) they don't really care anymore. Anyways, um, I just started getting a little bored. I'd be like just surfing the web on the school computers on Wikipedia, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day, um, because I'm a simple man. And it struck me as uh, I started just seeing, I just randomly stumbled upon chess. Chess kept coming up on the computer. And I was like, I don't know how to play this, but it looks cool. I like the pieces. I like the aesthetic of the board. Some of the way these pieces were designed just called out to me. And I'm like, you know what? All right. I don't know how to play it. So I'm going to try to play it. And I started using this website. I think it's called. it was called Chess Academy. No longer exists. Um, probably in, in lieu of um, greater services such as Lee Chess. Chess. Called. Anyways, I uh, started learning this. And uh, on my own, I uh, just started uh, I learned how the pieces move one by one. I started getting a little obsessive about it. Um, that Christmas later that year, it was my junior year, my parents, uh, at the request of me, bought me some chess books, a chess board, uh, and I just started, uh, obsessing about it for the next eight months. So that's how I learned how to play chess, by, um, cutting out people in my life.
0: Elliot, how did you learn how to play chess? Was it also by cutting out people from your life?
2: No, I think it's the opposite. I think my friend Dawson that I mentioned earlier was sort of my gateway to chess. The dichotomy.
0: Our fine president, how did you learn to play chess? Well, uh, it was actually similar to um, our secretary's story. Uh, there was this thing. I don't know if you heard of it. It's called COVID nineteen. Uh, it was it was pretty big um, in Louisiana. I don't know how it was in Texas, you know, but it was pretty pretty big deal in Louisiana.
1: Um, we had the masks on for about a day, boy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's, for the viewers at home, that's a joke. That's Florida.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, this, this COVID thing was going around, and um, I was a senior in high school at the time, and uh, they completely stopped all classes, and uh, they did not make us do any work whatsoever, as the Louisiana education system as it so often does. And I was incredibly bored, and I remember this game that I had used to play, Uh, I learned around the time I was 7 or 8 from my dad, um, but I sucked. And then I tried to get back into it around 16 or 17, uh, and I thought I was doing good. I was beating everybody I was playing in my high school, and then I played my dad, and I lost. And then I got so upset I didn't play it again until the COVID hit. And whenever the COVID hit, I got really bored and decided, you know what? I'm going to get really good at this game. I'm going to get good enough so that I can beat my dad. And me and my dad played one day when I was 18 and I beat him, I beat him down two pieces in the opening. I came back and it got me very excited for my future with chess. And I started studying and studying and that's all I did about 40 hours a week for all of quarantine. I just studied chess. And then, then I came to college, the great University of Louisiana at Lafayette TM. And, uh, I saw
1: TM means trademark.
0: And I saw this flyer in the dorm in Corona. Very ironic. And it had a number on it. And this number led me to a man named Hayden Trahom. And I started showing up to his chess clubs in the library. And then I beat all of them. And that boosted my ego. And I liked how that felt. So I kept coming back. And then I started losing some, but it got me more into chess. And that's how I started my chest journey. Oh,
1: uh, yes. Mr. Phillips, personally speaking, I'm glad you were able to find some light in the dark tunnel of domestic violence and narcissism.
0: <laughs> there was no domestic violence. Um, there was a little bit of narcissism. Did you not say that your dad was beating you?
1: And that you uh, beat I was, him in mm-hmm.
0: return? <laughs> uh, you were figuratively. enough and wise enough. Figuratively. Figuratively. There was so no, there was no there, physical harm being so done. All of this was in a figurative sense, so you did not actually. I did not beat my father. You so you lost him every. No, I in beat chess. him in chess. Something's not adding up here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joseph, actually, this is interesting. So I've heard a little bit of uh, Charlie and Elliot's story before, um, but I want to hear your story because you are a mysterious man. Do you know that? I am not aware of that fact. Uh, I assume you mean the story of how I got into chess. Yes. Well, it started probably like five or six. I thought I was like five or six. I uh, My dad my dad taught me how to play chess. I kept playing him over and over again until I was able to beat him. I didn't have to wait till I was 18, unlike you. And then when I came to my elementary school, Metairie Academy in the fine heart of Metairie, Louisiana, there was a tournament of sorts. I joined that tournament. I believe I was in the second grade. It may have been before, actually. However, I'm not sure who it was. And I took home a trophy that night. So then I kept going to the school, and there was a chess club. So then I played at the chess club, played in some scholastic tournaments, which is where the four nights is often used. From there, I graduated that fine school and went to Patrick F. Taylor Science and Technology Academy. And then there was a chess club there, but I wasn't too fond of the teachers they had, and I didn't feel like going, so I stopped. However, I'd still play online from time to time until so I saw this club, and then I joined here and started playing again, more regularly. It was all because of me. I believe it was all because of our founder, Hayden. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, indeed. Elliot?
2: Rest in peace. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, when was when did you first play chess? I know, I know you already explained like how you got into it, but when did you first, first play chess?
2: I don't think I have an answer to that question. Probably just randomly on and off. In high school, in the middle of class. I see. Did you ever? I, di- I don't know anyone in my family who plays chess and had no one teach me how to play chess. The first of his generation, his lineage. And I certainly won't be the last.
1: <laughs>
2: Raising some chess champions in the future. Yes. Well,
1: it's a bit presumptuous.
2: <laughs> Charlie, what are your thoughts on the stock
1: market? Um, fortunately, uh, I'm not a finance bro, so that means I'm a good person. Just kidding. I'm a bad person, but for other reasons. But at least I'm not a finance bro. Um
0: Do you have any stock in crypto? Uh,
1: I refuse to comment on this.
0: I believe Solana Doge is going to moon quite soon. <laughs> well speaking off of the topic of the stock market we're about to run out of time we have about six minutes left so it's about time for one more question for each of you and this question is very important this is to people who have never played chess before what would you say to help them get started or to put it in other words you know what would you say what would you say to them uh, to, to to help them get into chess if they're on the edge, if they're on the fence.
1: Well, since I have a philosophy background, I'd like to say this in a parable of sorts. Um, I'd like to say the takeaway of this is, firstly, let's start with the end of things. Mm -hmm. The real thing when you want to get into chess is you have to see the end, which is, it's, it's something when you start, you're going to get beat up a bunch. You're going to lose over and over and over, and you can't get discouraged. Because if you get discouraged, you'll waste potential. And a, a sort of parable is that I had a friend of mine who got into UT Austin. For those at home, uh, UT Austin, University of Texas at Austin, is actually a very hard to sc- a very hard school to get into, even for Austin natives. Um, and a friend of mine, he went to UT, UT Austin, a very brilliant dude, still one of the smartest people I know, and um, a, a guy who I used to have many great conversations with. Um, he he was majoring in uh, I can't remember some sort of engineering, but I knew this guy. Uh, you meet this guy, and you know he's going to go places. You, you just it's it's especially in high school we all sort of know people like this. You just know he's going to go places, and um, we we both graduate high school. We go th- both go up to college, and I just remember like one of my senior graduation, and I was like, "Yeah, you're going to go do great things, man." Um, and a couple years passed by um, over the summer break uh, about two years ago. I, I went to a SeaWorld, uh, SeaWorld San Antonio, I mean, that's the closest SeaWorld. Uh, for the viewers at home, SeaWorld, it has um, aquatic animals and sorts, and Very some controversial, fun, some fun controversial. I'm not here to talk about that though. I um, went to the SeaWorld just, uh, sometimes we go, it's, it's a fun little place, um, my family does not abide in the controversy. We did not see any orca shows, uh, for the viewers at home, we were concerned about that, but we did go see the dolphins. We love dolphins. And they have uh, a little baby dolphin exhibit over there. And uh, who do I see at this dolphin exhibit other than my buddy, who I thought was at UT Austin, but now he's down here in San Antonio with these baby dolphins. I just go up to him, like, dude, do you remember me? Like, you, like, we were talking in the library years ago. And, and he's like, oh, dude, I, I'm, so happy to, I'm so glad to see you. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, but Trey, Sorry, his name's Trey. I thought you were gonna be like one of the people, like the one of the representatives of Vista Ridge High School. Like, what happened, man? Uh, like, and he's just like, you know, he's with these baby dolphins. He's like, well, I think I'm feeding a youthful porpoise.
2: <laughs>
1: but, but for the viewers at home, just don't be like Trey. You gotta continue with this, this potential because even though college might be hard, so stress might be hard, you can't give up. So never, never give, give up. That
0: was beautiful. Can we get a round of applause for Charlie? <laughs> Joseph, what about you? What would you say to people who are on the edge about getting into chess? I would say if you have a interest in tactics, say you played games such as Age of Empires 2 or Age of Empires Rise of Rome as a kid, this is a nice way you can escape from the technology <laughs> while still expanding your brain and enjoying the nice adversarial, really... Reminiscent of war. Tactics of chess. And then, my second advice would be to bust out your queen early and threaten mate, because you'll be playing around with new people who do not know how to respond.
2: Wonderful. Elliot? Well, I would say that one of the best draws to our chess club is the community we've built. I think we've got a great community of people we're all great friends, and it's it's a lovely place to hang out. We are great friends. And as my good buddy Leo once said, chess club is a way of life. It's a people. And that's it. Now, Bo,
0: what would you say to anyone interested in chess? Play it. It's a great game.
2: <laughs>
0: wow. <laughs> It's as simple as that. No, I think I, think I like what, I liked what uh, Charlie said is to not get discouraged when you first start out because many people associate chess with intelligence, which isn't true, by the way. You know, if that were true, you know, uh, never mind, I'll hold my tongue. I believe there is in fact a correlation <laughs> there okay there is a correlation however it's not a direct correlation just because you're good at chess doesn't make you smart and just because you're bad at chess doesn't uh mean you're not smart but um, to be a grandmaster I would say that you have to have a rather high intelligence that is true if you want to be the for top, example top. Bobby Fisher he had a I believe over 100 and- follow the UL chess club on Instagram
2: and TikTok